How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 110 of VR Roundtable. I'm Chris. I'll be your host this week, and I'm joined by the usual three guys, uh, Gary, Steve, and Anthony. I'll jump over to Gary. How are you doing this week? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, okay. Just a, a normal week, really. Um, played a little bit of VR. Not too much, really. It's still a little bit busy at work, but I did pick up um, some of these things. I don't know if you've seen these. You know, the... Um, the like cable management basically for VR headsets. So um, I saw a post on it might have been uh, R Vive or one of the subreddits anyway, um, and they were talking about how these can sort of make it better to almost like a wireless experience with VR headsets. So I picked up a, a batch of these, and um, you get six in in the batch, um, and I've been experimenting with these a little bit. Now, I've always had a hook on my wall uh, in order to keep the cable off the floor. I never liked it where I had like the cable running along the floor or anything like that. Um, and these are just sort of a, a slight enhancement to that. So they're a retractable cord that keeps the cable out of the way. Um, they work pretty well, but they do require a little bit of experimentation in, in order to get it in the right places on your ceiling. And also, I've got quite a low ceiling in here, um, which I don't think I'll get the full benefit of them. I think if you had a higher ceiling... Um, um, you, you get more of a benefit but I have got them uh, one placed above my head so I can like if I'm playing seated experiences and that kind of stuff um, it helps out for that and it does make it more or less like it feels pretty much wireless now when I'm playing seated experiences uh, just wanted to do a quick uh, explanation of why I've got these things hanging from a ceiling I don't know if you can see them or not probably not <laughs> that's super awesome I want to get some of those but uh, you maybe you'll convince you convinced me <laughs> Yeah, it's um, worth it's worth looking into. I, I will say, you know, it's not revolutionary or anything like that, and they do require a little bit of uh, experimentation to get the right positions on your ceiling. Um, but I think, you know, for the price, it's worth it's worth jumping in. Yeah, that's awesome, uh, Steve. How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, hopefully, I got the the streaming issues under key. We're not dropping frames today, so um, I never found anything wrong. So we'll just chalk it up to a random uh, internet YouTube server type issue because um, I didn't do anything to fix it. So, um, so I'm glad that's in good shape. And other than that, um, you know, played a couple games this week and uh, an old game, one that we're going to talk about later. Um, that uh you know we've never really delved into and I'm, I'm enjoying that i actually played that game the most and that's elite dangerous but more on that later awesome looking forward to hearing about that and then how are you anthony how are you doing this week oh i'm doing good same old same old pretty much i am on patreon now <laughs> that's nice. uh, a sidebar thing it's for uh vr 365 and uh vr game rankings yeah I, I mean for years people have been like hey don't you have a patreon don't you have a patreon and i Never did it for the longest time. Part of it was like a tax thing. I didn't want to worry about like taxes and stuff. But um, yeah, finally did it. So I'm out there. Um, Patreon slash VR365, I believe. That's awesome. That's, that's cool. I have to look at it after the show. Um, this week I've been working on uh, my first VR game with a group of four other guys. And... Developing for VR is way harder than we thought it would be, so that's good to know. Um, we're trying to make like a snowball, uh, snow fort prototype game, and uh, it we got the you're, you're able to form a snowball with snow, and then you're able to throw a snowball or like combine snowballs to make a bigger snowball. But like that's all we got working. The stuff isn't working too well. What so, um, what what are you developing that in, Chris? Is it Unity or yeah? Yeah, yeah. We're just working in Unity, and you know, man, the SDK stuff is pretty finicky. Everything is kind of 
a little bit hard. I don't know how these developers do it. I guess we just got to get more experience in it, but it's fun. It's fun to learn. And then next week, uh, we're probably going to do like a haunted house. One person's on the computer screen, like designing the haunted house. And then one person's in VR, like going through the haunted house. That could be cool too. So, you know, <laughs> we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. Let us know. You can send us a copy when, uh, when you've got something working. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. I could send you the snowball throwing prototype. <laughs> I'll do that after the show. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I've been up to this week. Um, so we'll just jump into the news. We got a few news stories, actually quite a bit of news this week. And, um, uh, topic elite dangerous as was mentioned earlier. And then we have a few, uh, games that came out this week as well. All right, so jumping into it, uh, there's a GDC survey that comes out every year uh, that surveys developers on different statistics and things. And it's just interesting, I think, to look at this every year and compare to previous years and things like that. Uh, so this one was kind of interesting for me. I, I wasn't expecting this, but 33% uh, of VR developers are working on the Vive primarily. Uh, that's what they're currently developing for. And then 30% for Rift. So I guess that's not that big of a gap. You know, like it, it sounds like, ooh, Vive is like way ahead. But they're kind of very, very similar there. And then something that I thought was the coolest out of this was that 21% of developers are developing something for Oculus Quest, uh, which is exciting because I'm really excited for Oculus Quest. Um, and I, I guess the main, the weirdest thing for me is that like 42% are developing for other. So there's got to be something coming out. Like, you know, maybe we'll mention the Valve HMD later, but like some developers are developing for something that hasn't been released yet. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I can jump it over to Steve first if you want to talk about this. Sure. The things that um, obviously the 21% for the Quest stands out, as you mentioned, but um, something that stands out to me is PlayStation VR at only 13%. Um, you know, we know that that represents... Um, what, 75% of, of the sort of the, the big hitter VR headsets being the PC VR tethered headsets and the PlayStation VR, not counting the mobile headset. So it fall into 13. Um, it makes me wonder if that in, in some ways, the type of people at GDC, you know, like um, a game, we'll use Astrobot as an example. Astrobot maybe have how many developers working on that team? I don't know. Let's say 50. Um, but would all 50 go to GDC and participate in this survey? Likely not, maybe only one. So so the small team versus large team disparity may be showing its head there because 13% um, definitely seems too low for the, for the value of what that uh, PlayStation VR platform brings. Um, everything else, it looks like HTC um, Vive is sort of hold and serve over previous years. Um, Oculus itself has fallen, um, Oculus Rift specifically, I mean. And some of that may be, you know, people that were working on a Rift game last year or working on a Quest game this year, something like that. So, um, yeah, I just think it's, this is interesting stuff. And um, those are the things that stood out to me, really. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Gary, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, well, I was just looking at these. I think something, because I think a lot of these results, because if, if these... You've got a survey uh, being handed out to you developers, um, and I think there's a lot of interpretation that goes along with this as well. So you've got HTC Vive, 33%, um, but then you've got Oculus Rift. Now, 
I don't know whether some developers would possibly interpret the HTC Vive uh, question or the, the the box that they have to tick as being Steam VR. And if that's the case, you know, then we know that that could be potentially uh, other headsets as well. Um, I don't know exactly how this was phrased or how they answered all these developers. And there's obviously a lot of crossover on this as well. So developers that are making uh, titles for the HTC Vive on this on this survey could potentially also be listed down the oculus rift as well um so there's a lot of crossover with this and i agree with steve i think the the most surprising thing for me is the playstation vr 13 percent um that seems really low um especially in comparison um which actually i think is quite encouraging for the oculus quest the fact that 21 percent are developing for the oculus quest so that that seems really strange to me when we know that the playstation vr has such a large install base um you would assume that anybody developing something for steam vr htc vive oculus that had the ability to transfer that over to the playstation vr then maybe they would do that um so that that seems really low um and as i say before you know i think the point i wanted to lead with is the fact that a lot of these developers are working on numerous platforms at the same time developing one title and they will release it on numerous platforms that makes the playstation vr 13 percent even more strange to me but uh yeah yeah you know it must be like i've been to conferences like this and there's always just a bunch of indies who are like just starting out and they're like they probably kind of skew the survey a little bit, but I think it's still really low, even considering all the all those things. Uh, Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you guys have pretty much covered everything as far as this goes. Um, you you'll notice, of course, that the percentages go way over a hundred percent total. So, and that's what Gary was speaking to. There is a lot of these developers are working on like three or four of these platforms simultaneously. So it kind of you know the numbers. I, I mean, I was just surprised by you guys. PlayStation VR, it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially like we just recently heard from the CEO of Fast Travel Games. And um, I don't know if we have it as one of our news stories here, but I don't think, do we have a super data story coming up? Um, I don't think about so. 700,000 PlayStation. Okay. Yeah, there, there was a, there's another story where 700,000 our super data is estimating that that PlayStation sold 700,000 units in the fourth quarter and that fast travel uh fast travel game CEO was saying they had an explosion of sales most just in like December and and that PlayStation is making up I believe 58% of their sales and you hear a story like that and you think every developer and their mama's cousin is going to try to bring their games over to PlayStation VR. And if we look, if you look at like all the best VR games that are out there, there most of them have come to PlayStation VR. Arizona's, you know, Arizona Sunshine, Raw Data, and and if they haven't come, they're on their way. Like the Mage's Tale, Zing, The Land Beyond. Um, you know, all these games are coming. Space Pirate Trainer just came there, and so. That's that's a weird number. And then, of course, the other 42 percent. I mean, obviously, we all are hoping that it's something incredible that everybody's working on, like Samsung with this, you know, whatever they might have and all these things. 
Uh, yeah. Crunchy, j- just quickly, Crunchy did mention in chat, you know, maybe other is uh, PSVR 2. Um, that's an interesting thought because it does seem low. I don't know why it's only 13% of developers, but uh, you, w- you would maybe think that if they were asked this question, you're developing for PlayStation VR, they would include PlayStation VR 2 in that if they were going to do that. I, so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's always cool that GDC does those surveys. So I think it's cool that we get a little bit of knowledge from the industry from that. Um, all right, moving on to the next story is at Intel RealSense camera. Uh, there's there's potentially an Intel RealSense camera for positional tracking for you know three degrees of freedom headsets, kind of any headset that doesn't have this positional tracking, uh, and it's going to be 199, which I don't think is is a terrible asking price for it. Um, it's basically previous Intel RealSense, RealSense stuff uh, used kind of these these low field of view cameras that didn't use SLAM. They used like depth sensing and things like that. Uh, SLAM is is the way that, um, you know, six degrees of freedom um, inside out tracking solutions kind of sense the world. Uh, so this is basically like a package that just has two like high field of view cameras that can do that, can do SLAM and can do positional tracking in that way. I don't think it's specifically designed for VR per se, but I could totally work with it. Uh, so it's just kind of cool that Intel's coming out with this kind of as like a dev kit for if people want to add this stuff, you know. Intel's RealSense technology has always been pretty interesting to me. Uh, I guess I could go over to Anthony first. What do you think about this tiny little positional tracking camera? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I like I haven't reported on this story this since it's come out. Um, and uh, re- really pretty much because I just don't know like what is the use case scenario for here like a lot of people are saying well you could you could connect it to your Oculus Go but if you're going to do that just buy a Quest you know what I mean or like I don't I don't really kind of get it but I guess for like developers and stuff or if you're having like maybe you have a um an arcade setup and you need to add like external tracking and you're trying or you or maybe you have a company and you have some special little homebrew type of thing that you're working with and you have a bunch of Oculus Go's and you can buy this and snap this on there and then you can show off some type of uh, little VR thing that would go along with it. But I don't know how this really relates to us so much in, in terms of the VR world. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it, it definitely seems like you know it could be for developers or for people who bought way too many Oculus Go's and need to retrofit these things because the Quest is coming out. But yeah, I mean, if you buy a Go and this, like, just buy a, just buy a Quest. Come on, um, Gary, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree as well. And um, I, I will say, I think that there gets to a point now where we're seeing the development of VR and we know where it's going in some respects. And I think three degrees of freedom is, is going to go away. I think it, it was interesting. And, and the Oculus Go was, it's a great device. Um, but at the same time, I think it's it's clear to see that from, you know, at least late this year, early next year, there will be very few three degrees of freedom headsets being released. And I think uh, 6DOF is the way it will be going anyway. Um, So this is sort of a a way to adapt certain headsets. I don't know how, like the longevity of it, how long this uh, device will will really be out there to to help uh, headsets that are currently out there. But um, it's interesting nonetheless, and I think it, it just points to the fact more than anything that Six Degrees of Freedom is the way that everybody really wants to enjoy VR. Yeah, and and uh, Steve, what do you think? 
I think um, from the consumer's perspective, I believe Anthony is correct. It doesn't make sense to buy a Go plus this. But what I, th I think, you know, if you think of how Intel um, operates, you know, they sell direct to consumers. Like, you know, if, if to gaming people building a PC, they'll sell them. You know, you can buy your your latest i7 or i9 processor. Uh, they make some storage stuff. They make network cards, but a lot of what they do is also to partners and OEMs. And I look at this as as sort of the springboard to that. In that. Um, if, if I'm going to make like, um, I'll use Pimax as an example, right? Pimax is a small company and, um, let's say they wanted to release a, a inside out tracking headset instead of developing their own inside out tracking or licensing it from Microsoft, um, via the, the spec, uh, Windows MR platform, they could buy the Intel RealSense. It's a, it's a, it's a platform. It's, it's ready to drop in. You just, you just plop this bad boy into your, um, your, your, your headset clamshell and you now have Intel well-supported uh, inside-out tracking capability. So I almost look for thinking and speculating, and to be clear, I don't know any of this, but I, I'm looking at it as sort of a, a commercial release, but also sort of a simultaneous springboard into um, them maybe partnering with lots of VR headset OEMs who, who really, we don't need everyone to develop inside out tracking. Like if they can be, if there's an off the shelf component and set of tools that, that, you know, uh, Gary's headset company, you know, when he, when he makes one 10 years from now, you just partner with Intel and grab it. You don't have to, everyone doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. Like someone already did it. Let's use what they've done and let's evolve. Um, so I look at it in that tone. Again, I could be completely wrong and that might not be what Intel is intending, but um, that's the way I see it at this moment. Yeah. You know, it looks like Intel's really trying to get some, some support from these other companies and, you know, future headsets or something, uh, kind of trying to get their, their real sense technology in there. Cause they've been developing this stuff forever and they've always been showing all these use cases, but I think VR is really the most promising use case for that. Um, Thanks to John Bartow for the donation, as well as uh, Tony M. They both gave us some super chats, so thank you guys for that. Um, all right, the next, uh, we're going to get on to some kind of smaller news topics. I don't really know how much there is to say about some of these, uh, but the first one is just that Google uh, made a patent for foveated compression. So this basically means, you know, there's foveated rendering, and then you compress the image, uh, just to kind of save on some power consumption and uh, to save on GPU power, basically. Uh, so Google tried to patent that. I don't think you can really patent that idea. I think that idea is kind of public knowledge, to be honest. But uh, either way, it, it points towards um, everybody kind of using compression algorithms to to reduce GPU requirements and uh, eventually get you know VR cheaper, which I think is always a good thing. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to say about this? Not too much, other than the fact I think it, it's it's interesting to include a new story like this in there. There's not a lot to say, but I think from the, the as a consumer, when we look at all all of these news stories and we see a general direction, I think it's interesting to see a general direction that all of these big companies seem to be heading in. So we know the areas that they're concentrated on. So you know, uh, foveated rendering is a big deal. Uh, we know that they're concentrated on that kind of stuff, but also compression is a big deal as well um, for various areas, you know, one of them obviously being uh, wireless um, sort of rendering as well. But I think just including, just looking at all of these little things, all of these very small 
uh, news stories that sometimes come out, it's interesting to see a general consensus of where these large companies are going. And I think it gives us like some kind of insight into the future of where we could potentially end up. It's not necessarily the future we uh, possibly thought it would be two years ago, three years ago when we first got into VR, um, but they're concentrated on certain certain parts. And it's interesting for that, um, if, if nothing else. Um, so with this particular thing, um, yeah, there's not a lot to say. I think, yeah, I think you're right, Chris, honestly. But uh, yeah, it's, well, it's interesting nonetheless. You know what? The project lead on this was Dr. Benham Bastani, who, uh, who led Google's entire VR rendering thing. Well, in 2018, because like this, this patent was filed back in 2017. In 2018, he got poached by Facebook, and he's working in their Facebook reality labs with Michael Abrash. Of course, both of them have been moved over to Facebook's augmented reality labs. Nah, just kidding. I don't know what's exactly going on over there. But yeah, Facebook is poaching a lot of the best talent out there. They continue to do that. Yeah, they really are. Um, thank you, Dell, for the donation as well. I'm getting a lot of donations today. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, you know what, Dell, uh, Dell Wolfensparger in uh, in chat. Um, he also asks a question along with his donation. What do you think sales numbers will be for Oculus Quest? And going back to that super super data story where they were talking about seven hundred thousand PlayStation VRs in the fourth quarter. They are estimating 1.3 million Oculus Quests will be sold in 2019. That's their esti estimation, 1.3 million. And that would be awesome. That would be super awesome. That would, that would be, be cool. Yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know what, just um, on that, because I don't know if anybody's got anything else to want to add on to that, but that is an interesting point. The, the like one point, what did the Oculus Go sell? Do we know sort of sales numbers for the Oculus Go? I think it's sort of a million, is it? Is somebody, uh, I've heard that figure bandied around somewhere. Well, you know, super data in this, in the again, super data, they're kind of pulling these numbers out of thin air. So we got to remember that. But in the fourth quarter period, I believe they had the Oculus Go selling like half a million in the fourth quarter because I think they had PlayStation PSVR was like 700,000 in the fourth quarter. I think Oculus Go was like 555,000 and then like Oculus Rift was like 160,000 and Vive was like 140,000, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. So if you extrapolate that out, Oculus Go has to be I would think over a million grand total by now, at least. Mm. I, I just wonder, I don't know why Oculus hasn't like made a statement about it though. Yeah, like as of September um, 2018, uh, there's an estimation that there are over a million sold. So th I think that's, you know, probably in the ballpark. I've, man, I hope Quest does really well. Like I want Quest to do amazing. It's I want Quest to. to sell. You think so? Yeah, I, I think the um, if you if you look at the Go, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who bought the Go and didn't really know what they were getting into and were very impressed by it. But if I look at the Go here now, coming on, was it nine, ten months later? There hasn't been. There's tons of games out there uh, because it, you know, you have the whole Gear VR market and all that. But there hasn't been a lot of focus on it on Oculus's standpoint in terms of getting games out there. Like it, it, it really feels mobile. Um, whereas the Quest has an opportunity to bridge the gap somewhat and not feel as as mobile. It, you know, you it has the opportunity to get these deeper games. So I think um, a lot of the people that that maybe uh, bought a Go. 
uh, or you know, setting us enthusiasts aside, but you know, some more more of a general consumer that bought a Go that takes the plunge onto a Quest will will get more use out of it, will get more life out of it because the scope of the games are, I think, going to be deeper. I know it runs contrary to you know my my opinion of the scope of what the quest is going to do as a whole um but i think compared to the go i think the quest is going to be a deeper experience um not just because of the six degrees of freedom of course but i think the games will be a little deeper um and i think that'll go a long way into um it not falling off to me i just feel like and i don't know because oculus hasn't given us numbers but i feel like the go has lost a lot of momentum in part because they announced the quest i'm sure um but it just feels like the momentum is lost on the go and um i think the quest will pick it up it's lost i agree i think it's lost though partly because they've just not supported it in terms of like first party software or even developers there's some great titles out there for the oculus go don't get me wrong but they've not supported it in the way i expected them to i expected them to do far more than they have done um rather than just having this this back catalog this library of gear vr games that they've transported over to the gear uh, oculus go um i expected them to push it much more than they have um because i expected like a, a response from them like they did with the oculus rift where they they put money into first party titles um oculus studio titles and things like this which they simply haven't done with the oculus go and it's a disappointment overall i will say i think overall that the oculus go is a great device and i i stand by my initial impressions of it that i think it's a great device but overall i've been a little bit disappointed with the amount of support they've done i remember going back to a show that we did last year just before oc5 and we sort of uh, briefly went through our wishes for what we would have uh, appear and one of mine was more titles more in-depth uh, significant titles for the oculus go and we didn't get that and i don't think we are going to get that now unfortunately yeah it's really sad like all my you know two of my friends got oculus goes and like we barely play together anymore like we were all hyped about it we're like man i hope a bunch of games get announced and then it's like monopoly is coming out maybe <laughs> it's like that's about it but it's um, still it's still a wonderful thing to take on trips you know oh, if yeah. you're going on vacation somewhere the oculus go is a beautiful thing to bring along with you oh yeah i think you know i think we all know once quest comes out like there's no real reason to get it go like the the price difference just go for a, a quest and you'll get infinitely more use out of it uh but hey it was like it was cool and it still is cool you know um i i agree though i wish it had some more support behind it uh i guess moving on to the next story revolving around facebook is that they you know, it's a lot of patent stories today, it seems like. But Facebook patented a small form factor AR display with a large field of view, which, you know, obviously patents don't really always say how they do it. But it just uh, basically they have a few uh, configs in their patent. So the, the HoloLens is like 30 degrees by 17.5 degrees. Uh, the Magic Leap one is 40 degrees by 30 degrees. Uh, the the configs outlined in this patent are 52 by 30 degrees and 65 by 30.5 degrees. So they're a little bit uh, bigger. They're, this isn't dramatically more field of view, you know. Like this isn't isn't like a double field of view or something like that. But I think it does point to the fact that you know, like we discussed last week or maybe a few weeks ago, that Facebook is probably looking at all this AR stuff going on and they're like, man, we gotta start releasing something or you know getting some the, the gears going on some product or something because they're they're probably losing out on some market share so i think if they you know came out with a product with more field of view like this it would probably be something that you know uh p people would want to buy in the in the space 
so, yeah, Anthony, do you have anything you want to say about this? Well, I mean, you know, this story, it kind of piggybacks off of some of the other stories that we've heard about Facebook and AR. Uh, Business Insider, of course, they had that story a couple weeks back where supposedly hundreds, literally hundreds of employees that were in Facebook Reality Labs have moved into basically like a new building that appears to be an AR focus. And also somebody, I don't know if it was at Business Insider or, or another outlet, they actually tried this prototype and they said that the prototype was very lightweight. It was small, but it wasn't so lightweight that if you sat on it, you would just smash it. But it's very lightweight, kind of bendable, flexible a little bit, and it had a pretty good field of view. So that kind of that kind of goes into maybe the 72 degree diagonal version of this. Um so we're here. So, you know, there's a lot of little whispers that are going on in the background. The question is, like, when would we actually find out about this thing? And with Quest so soon, you know, we're we're approaching February right now. Quest could be the final day of April or very early in May. And with that, I don't think you enter. You know, I don't think you like I don't think they bring this AR headset to GDC. Because, I mean, a lot of people are like, well, it's not confusing. These are separate products. There's a million separate products. And and I under, yeah, there, there are, there's millions of products out there. But I go back to like the uneducated consumers out there, for, uneducated from this whole VRAR world where they, they cover this stuff, but they, they, they watch it from afar. And if, if all of a sudden they hear this big news story about Oculus augmented reality headset, they're like, wait a minute, I just bought an Oculus Rift. What's going on here? You know, I mean, there, there's people out there like that. I don't think they, they want to confuse it too much. So we might be waiting a while before we actually see this thing, like maybe summer or something. We touched on this last week, but if you remember, like the very first thing Zuckerberg did was show the platform, show, show the, the different products. Like they're... I, you know, I, without rehashing too much last week, I, I do think they'll, I, I think they'll show, I think they'll show their cards to an extent. I think, um, I think they'll mention AR. I don't, I don't think they're going to show a device. Like we would be seeing more of a device if they had a, a device imminent, you know, even the quest, like we, we basically knew what the thing looked like and knew a lot of, of what it was going to be before they formally announced it. And we're not there with this AR headset. We don't have anything other than this patent graphic that we're showing here. Um, so I don't think anything's imminent, but I do think and and Zuckerberg made that very clear um, at the last keynote that they will show their product lineup and they'll say here's Rift here's Quest here's Go and they'll talk about it in in a f- bigger breath um, that that that's happened already and I think that'll continue to happen and I think that's important because I think consumers today they want a product lineup um, they want to they they you know they want their watch and their smartphone and their tablet and their computer like those those are all things that need to play together and I think AR and VR are going to need to play together as well in some way I don't know exactly what that looks like but I am not interested I you know for the same reason I don't have an Android phone and a Apple tablet tablet. Like I'm not interested in a broken, uh, uh unified platform, uh, or lack of a unified platform. And I think, uh, one of the key things that me as a consumer will be looking at, and I'm not speaking from the VR enthusiast, Steve, I'm, I'm just speaking from the general Steve, um, cause I do this with a lot of other products that I buy. I'm looking for integration and, and platform unification in that I know that when I buy a replacement tablet, all my software is going to fold in with it and it's going to play nice or 
when I buy speakers, whole home audio for the house, like uh, Amazon Echoes and stuff. Like I'm looking for how everything plugs together and plays together um, because integration is just as important as the quality of any one specific product. And I think Facebook gets that. And I think they're going to push that, that wide platform angle because that's how they get you hooked. They get you hooked on one, one device. And next thing you know, you're buying devices that link specifically to that device. And that keeps you vested in their ecosphere. One of the problems though, about having like a family of products is a couple products, like they have this whole family, right? But they have their favored children and a lot of, and, and a couple of them get, get kicked to the curb. We were just talking about the Oculus Go. It almost like Facebook has the Quest, the Go and the Rift, right? And it seems like the odd man out is the Go. Like they're not doing anything with the Go. Now they're going to bring an AR product as well. I, I just, I mean, they're, they're going to do it, but they're not releasing this this year. So there's no reason that they need to like stress out on this. But at it, some point they will introduce this. This is this is a long way away, I think. And we, we have all these news stories of these patents that, that are coming out. Um, and constantly, I think there's very few weeks that there aren't new patents uh, revealed um, that have been sort of undisclosed and we can we can talk about them sometimes we don't even include them in the show because they're so th- th- these companies just make patents they they file patents all the time this patent is probably a year old at least a year old it's just now it's it's sort of got approved and we can see it this is nothing that's coming out this year this is probably just something they have planned they want to secure themselves for the future um we all know that that Facebook will be working on some kind of AR headset at some point in the future, but this is nothing. This is nothing. I don't think it's anything this year or next year possibly. Um, but it's. I think just looking again, looking at these patents, looking at the direction that the industry is going is interesting. Nevertheless, yeah, it's always cool to to be able to get that window into these companies, no, no matter how we can do it. And it seems like there's just a patent a day nowadays. Uh, but hey, you know, it just points to the direction that we know that's happening. Eventually, there'll be some sort of AR product from Facebook, probably. Seacoast um, Life says the Go is a transition product meant to be replaced fairly soon. And I agree with that. It does seem like the Go was like the um, uh, uh, the first hit of heroin that's given for free. I mean, it wasn't a free device, but it was like it, it was a, a very cheap way to get people that first hit. And, and I think they're hoping that their repeat buyers are, are stemming from that. And there may be some truth in it, you know. Um, I thought that was an interesting do you guys, point. Do you guys yeah. think it would be a good idea, like if eventually, if they could get the Go to $99, should it be a product that they, they – still hold on to or because like airman 929565 much much earlier in chat said that he wonders if the go is actually like a net negative because people get the go and i mean we we probably shouldn't go back into go talk but i'm just wondering like if they had it at 99 dollars can you understand the go at 99 dollars because you're like yeah that's that's you know, that's almost like cardboard back in the day. You you get it for $99 and it's like a great, it's like my kid's first VR headset, you know. Um, so it could be good in that price range. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's got to be room for the Go going forward as long as they make it cheaper. And it sounds like they have been getting it cheaper. I've seen sales um, down to like, one. there's a sale for $149, I think, for a day or so. 
Um, so, you know, that'd be a way to keep it around a little longer. And, and hopefully they did a Gen 2 of it. If they did a Gen 2 of the Go, it maybe it would have to have six degrees of freedom and then that'd confuse things. So who knows what's going to happen. Um, but speaking of all these HMDs, uh, just a quick little news story that's kind of interesting is uh, Cloudhead Games tweeted out a picture a few days ago and uh, basically the cast and the shadow cast by the image kind of shows the Valve HMD. Like it's it's easy to compare geometry on these images and notice that, yeah, this is probably the Valve HMD that they're testing a game on or something. Um, so that's pretty cool. The tweet was then removed by Cloudhead um, and they made a new tweet saying that they have, you know, various hardware in their studio that's not yet fit for public consumption. Kind of alluding to the fact that it's probably the Valve HMD. Uh, so this is exciting news for me because like I, I want this thing to exist, and <laughs> there hasn't been too much confirmation that anyone had it other than those like leaked images. So this is kind of not really a hundred percent confirmation, but it's it's pretty close, as close as we'd get to that. Uh, Steve, what do you think about that? So um, our buddy Paradise Decay keyed me in on this. Uh, I had totally missed this news this week. Um, because and, and to our next story that we'll talk about, but there's a there's a reason why a lot of Vive news is, is is kind of being filtered out. And if you're a member of the community, you can't necessarily get to the news. Um, but but this is interesting. Like it, it is not an absolute confirmation. Uh, it's very plausible. Uh, the fact that Cloudhead basically deleted the tweet and and came back with another tweet that said, um, you know, that, that we have all sorts of headware or hardware that. Um, talk about a Freudian slip headware, um, hardware that, um, you know, isn't fit for public consumption, which basically says, yeah, we test hardware all the time from, from different people. Um, one thing that we do know that kind of gives it a little more credence is all along Cloudhead has partnered very tightly with Valve. Um, they were one of the first people to tweet images of the Knuckles controller. So they were received some of probably maybe even the first developer outside of Valve themselves to get Knuckles controllers as far as we know. So if this headset is being made by Valve and there are dev kits in the wild, uh, you'd have to imagine that Cloudhead would be one of the first to get one, if not the first. So um, all of this kind of leads credence. It's not, it's still speculation because none of it is absolutely confirmed, but the dots are starting to be connected. Now, to be a little Debbie Downer, because I've known to do that um, in, in my effort to be a realist, um, we still don't have Knuckles. You know, Cloudhead was showing Knuckles publicly, not not hiding it in a tweet that they then deleted, but they were publicly showing Knuckles. Uh, I forgot to go back and look, but it's been over a year. So who's to say that, like, if, if that same timeline applies to Knuckles as to this headset when they're not even confirming that they they have a valve hmd uh, dev kit this this kind of suggests that the dev kit or, or that the headset itself could be very 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 far off um which you know isn't great news because we all want more hmds we we want succession and evolution but um you know i, I I'm, I'm not optimistic given how things have played out in the past that, that this headset is is coming very soon yep uh, anyone else have anything to add about this just, just on that point steve I, I wonder you know there could be a situation because i agree i think like the the knuckles controllers they've been out for they, they they were sort of displaying early versions of these things a long time ago um sending them out to various developers um but i will say maybe 
they purposefully delayed them. They initially only had plans to do the knuckles and now they want to release them in conjunction with a headset. So that could potentially point towards this headset being released a little bit sooner. But if you look at them as, as, as completely separate products, so I take your point, you know, this headset would really be a long way off. Um, I just wonder, maybe they did delay them um, and, and are not sending them out there um, or releasing them on their own. They want to release them in conjunction with this headset. You know, that's the, I suppose that's the more optimistic way of looking at this. But uh, it's either way, I think it's, it's safe to say that they've got this headset. Um, th there's so many things that point to this. Um, we saw these these images a long time ago. Um, and, you know, almost nobody really thought they were sort of fake images or anything like that. And I think the same goes for this. I think they do have it and their their response almost points to the fact that they had it as well. Yeah. And also, or I was just going to mention, um, it was June 2017 that Cloudhead first showed off the, the Knuckles controller. So it's it's been a while. Wow. Um, hey, my think, question, yeah. do you guys like, you know, the the detectives of the vibe subreddit before it went to hell right um they basically like came up with this picture and then they came up with the valve hmd and they're like yeah look at the curve there's the curve of the camera do you guys really buy into this this detective work here or do you think it's a, a dramatic stretch because i was talking about this yesterday and i was I was joking about like, yeah, this is confirmed. It's confirmed. But I was actually really kind of joking. Like, I don't think this confirms anything. I would love to believe that this really is that that Valve HMD. But I don't think like these little blurry, like, I don't think that confirmed. Like the, the guy made a little green line right there. And then he puts a green line there. And so in your mind, it's like, yeah, green plus green. That's got to be it. There's a blue line and there's a blue line. Yeah, this ab absolutely has to be it, right? I don't, I don't think it confirms anything, but I think uh, you should never underestimate the detective work of the internet. <laughs> absolutely. That, yeah. I mean, Cloudhead gave it credence by, by take, filling the need to take the tweet, take the image away. And I'll also also give a public response. Now it could be that they just don't want to poke speculation, feel the flames. But I don't know. Like I, I think, um, I I think there's something there. This may not. I mean, this could maybe this is some other headset completely unrelated from the Valve headset. But I think there's something there when when you feel the need to respond. Like if it was if it was a you know a weird angle on a Samsung Odyssey or a Pimax or something, they, they would have responded in their tweet and would have said, yeah, well, no, that's just a Pimax dummies and, and like showed showed the same angle or something. But they didn't. They come back with a tweet and said, hey, yeah, we do have uh, unreleased and unfinished hardware not ready for the public yet around here. Um, so I, I, it's confirming they have something in my mind. Like if it's not the valve hmd it's something else you yeah, know to go go, oh, go, go ahead. ahead chris okay i was just gonna say paradise get to case that in the picture you can see the camera reports well it matches and i do agree with that personally looking at it without all the doctoring of, of reddit you can kind of see the silhouette of a vive hmd but who knows maybe there's other headsets that have that silhouette that don't exist too you know the other rumor that goes along with this is that supposedly like they're playing portal vr because on the on the monitor there's like a font or something that is very portal-esque and they're like they're like not only is this confirming the valve hmd but they're playing portal vr and i've always felt like of the three mystery valve games i think portal is the most likely contender so it all works out all checks out 
<laughs> awesome. Portal VR confirmed launch title. <laughs> I hope so. That would be really awesome. That you know, Portal One and Two. I played those are like one of the some of the only games I've ever finished. Like I loved those games. Um, all right, the next news story. I don't know what the the hell this is. Does someone know what this? What's going on at the Vive subreddit? <laughs> I don't know too much. I, 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 I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I don't know too (laughs) well either. Um, I, I've I've kind of been busy over the weekend specifically. I I missed the initial meltdown, but, uh, apparently, um, our Vive, um, the Vive subreddit has, um, had a moderator that has, has gone on a power trip. Um, you know, I'm sure chat here can, can help us square this away because they probably have tracked it a little closer than I have, but, but basically, um, this little power trip trip has has resulted in various developers being banned uh, i believe the racket nx developers are banned onward developers banned uh, there's a sort of lockdown on all postings of, of images and gifs and links um, and I, I don't know if the the rationale is is that they're trying to this this moderator is trying to limit um, uh, self-promotion too much or, or, or something to that effect but but basically uh chet Falisak on twitter the uh, i guess former Valve employee. Um, he he kind of bashed uh, this moderator. It's a user 500 500 um, is the moderator that's kind of guilty of all this. And so right now what's happening is if you go to, to the subreddit, you'll just see thread after thread after thread of, of people saying, leave this subreddit. And people are starting up new subreddits and um, the public, uh, the community there, uh, at least the ones that are commenting and making threads are trying to influence a sort of mass exodus and, and to let our vive uh, die because this moderator um, won't get off of their power trip and, and won't turn over moderation duties to someone else in the community. Last I looked, R Vive had over a hundred thousand uh, subscribers, and um, it's a it's a very busy community. So in, in a way, this is very sad um, because even if everyone leaves in a mass exodus, it'll take a while for the snowball to build up steam on any sort of replacement uh, uh, subreddit. So uh, I myself, I sub to all sorts of different VR related subreddits. So uh, I don't think I will feel the difference, uh, and I'll just sub to whatever new ones are replaced. But when you have concentrated 150,000, however many there are in one place, it just, it, it creates just more, more topics, more news, more discussion. And, uh, I hate to see that go away, but, um, yeah, I just thought we'd, we'd bring it up here because it's, it's, it's interesting. And I would say our vibe is a big part of the VR community. It's still a small community, uh, as a whole, whether you're consuming this on YouTube or the audio podcast, you know, maybe you go to, to Reddit when you're at a PC or on your mobile phone and, and, you know, that's a way you, you learn about things. And, um, it's just kind of sucks to see something like this happening over one person. It's like one person can, can really derail a, uh, a community of, of 150,000 strong. Yeah, that's DM, crazy. You, go on, go ahead. I was uh, just gonna say go. that, like, if you go to the Vive subreddit right now, <laughs> oh, it's just <laughs> every, <laughs> every single post is just bonkers. But you know what? But one thing I'll say about it is there's nothing stopping anybody really from making like 40 fake Reddit accounts, and and so if somebody has 40 fake Reddit accounts, they can wage war 
on a subreddit and make it look like a movement when it really isn't a movement. It could be like five or six really irritated people that are coordinating together and they're like, let's bring this guy down, you know? And then you have a couple pissed off developers as well that have been banned. And, and, and this guy probably has stepped out of his bounds, but I just want to remind people like there's nothing preventing you from creating like 40 fake Reddit accounts. And I'm sure people do that. So let's understand that as well. But for me, you know what sucks is like the first thing when I go to my computer first thing in the morning, I I go to the Vive subreddit. It's the first thing I go to. And I don't even own a Vive, but it's the first thing I go to because way back in April of 2016, I lived in the Vive subreddit for about five months. And that's just my routine. And so I go to the Vive subreddit. I see what's on it. And then, I, you know, I go to the Oculus subreddit. I go to the PSVR subreddit. I go to virtual reality. I go to some of the different ones. But I always start with the Vive subreddit. And if this crashes and burns, it's kind of like when NeoGAF has a major kerfuffle and then everybody goes to another website. And then so half of the community is gone and they never come back. It, why do these things happen, guys? Why do these things happen? <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just looking at the, at the front page of our Vive now because um, Bloxyman said uh, that uh, thousands have unsubscribed already. This is real. It's not just a few people making a sort of extra accounts or anything like that. And I do agree with that. But the, the, like the top story at the moment is 500-500 needs to step down. It's got 12,500 upvotes. I mean, that is ridiculous. And Flute Roger said in chat as well, um, earlier today it was 117,000 subscribers to Arvive, and now it's down to 115. Um, and, you know, like, like the second news story on there, it says, dead sub, please relocate the egomaniacal free uh, mod free Vive sub or Vive underscore or VR. Um, I think people, you know, I don't know because I go on to these subreddits and I basically just get the news. I've, I, I I don't really interact even too much on these subreddits either. Um, in all honesty, um, as much as I like to talk about VR and that kind of stuff, I just don't really interact. It's, I've never been somebody who does interact that much on these kind of kinds of things, but I think it's a valuable source for news and what people are discussing at that moment. This, I mean, I'm just scrolling down. This is just constant. It's all the way down to the to the bottom of the page now. It's all about 500, 500. Um, it's disturbing. And I agree, you know, w- with what Anthony said there, because back in 2016, I was the same. I was going on to Arvive. And since then, you know, I've st- stayed up on it it's one of my rotation of subreddits that i go to um so it's a shame to see it end like this because of one person and i just want to sort of say i don't know the ins and outs of this i don't know who's responsible it seems like as we've said before there's no smoke without fire uh, and i don't know what to believe with all this because i've not followed it closely enough but there seems to be something here unfortunately do you guys think, though, that like because part of this is that you cannot self promote right on the Vive subreddit where there's other subreddits that you can kind of self promote if you don't like abuse it too much. But like the like when you go to the Vive subreddit, you don't see all these pictures of everybody's YouTube videos. And that's kind of good in a way. Um, because you go to some of the other subreddits and all it is is everybody like like look at me, look at me, everybody, I've got a video, look at me, you know, and and that kind of gets played out as well. And I don't know, there's no easy solution to it. Because honestly, you would like to have a subreddit where people can self promote, like, 
there needs to be some kind of special system. I don't know how you figure this out because you don't want the subreddit to be nothing but people promoting YouTube videos, promoting websites, shilling for their own game. Like in terms of fake Reddit accounts, Kev Gretz says anyone who fakes Reddit accounts normally get sniffed out pretty quickly. I don't know, man, because I've seen, I'm telling you, there's plenty of developers out there. How many times have you guys seen a post where it's like, Zazaza game is really good, and it just so happens to time with the release of the game, and it just seems phony to me, you know? And there's a lot of fake stuff out there. There's guerrilla marketing. It happens all the time. If I was a developer that was like living and dying over how many sales I had and like whether or not I'm eating tonight or not might depend on how many sales I got. I'd be tempted to create some fake accounts too and drum up some fake support. And there's no easy way to answer this. And so what they were doing before is they weren't allowing any of that, but then that pisses a lot of people off. And then like a developer comes in and they just want to mention something about their game and then they get banned. There's no easy solution, man. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it does suck. The same thing happened to my to my R electric skateboarding subreddit. Like some mod went berserk, and then like everyone moved to R electric skateboards instead of skateboarding, and then and then and then it, it sorted itself out, and everyone went back. So I mean, let's just hope it'll sort itself out, and this person will step down or whatever. You know, it usually ends up happening if there's enough backlash. So I think I think worried. I feel mixed on self promotion like it can be abused like you don't want every you know person makes a video every day you don't want them spamming their latest video daily um but there are times like um you know think of a game like onward like, and they want to announce like because their community is basically that 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 reddit that is their 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 in a way their marketing arm and you can say maybe they should or shouldn't but that's a that's a community approved and a community uh you know they have their they're positive within the community and no one is mad because the developer of onward comes in there and occasionally makes a post about an upcoming update or something it's news it's just coming straight from the developer so it could be taken as as self-promotion and to a degree it is but it's also news because Onward's not going to be covered on IGN or or the latest Onward update may or may not even be covered on places like Upload VR, Road to VR. So as a community, I think the community benefits from having a certain type of developer. And I'll sticking with the Onward example, like that's the that's a great type of developer that you want interacting and, and participating in the community and uh, shutting that down. You know, it's it's just it's it's a different tone to have have that type of uh, participation in a community than it would be of. Uh, um, you know, a big, big game like Capcom coming in and, and spamming a bunch of Resident Evil 7 stuff. Like, that's different. I, I can't really uh, list out why it's different, but and, and hopefully people understand what I'm saying, but it's just different. And it, it's almost like it's a community-made game in a way. Um, and, and I think suppressing that, uh, I think that's bad in, in any way. The, the, um, we've just had a comment from uh, Paranoid Android uh, in chat. And they said, you know, I think they've summed it up pretty much. Solution is easy. Let people decide what content is worthy. That's exactly how that it works. And that is true. Um, I mean, I, I will say that the, contrary to that, there, there is these subreddits that you go on and it's just constant self-promotion, spamming all the time. But if the community is big enough and I think mature enough, then these posts that are nonsense will just get downvoted and disappear very quickly. And that oh, is what how... About 
What about the fake accounts, though, that keep pumping them back up, man? I, well, see, I believe fake accounts happen. They really do. I know I know some people say fake accounts aren't, aren't as common. I think they're common. I, I see posts all the time that, like, they're talking about some game being great, and I know the game is awful, and there's it's got to be a fake, it's gotta be a fake uh, account. Somebody did mention in chat as well, though, it is a lot of work because you've got to get your, you've got to get some kind of reputation on Reddit to, to have any kind of standing. So there is that side of things as well. It's a lot of work to create a fake account and, and maintain that for weeks, really, in order to get a, a reasonable reputation. Um, and the other thing that the final thought for me really on this subject is, you know, I don't again, I don't know the ins and outs of 500 and 500 uh, as a user. I don't know uh what he's done i've seen the changes on r5 in terms of them not allowing uh any videos or promotion self-promotion that kind of stuff uh to be shown what i will say is i think the most responsible for, thing for him or her to do is to just step down um because to save the community i, I think that's either way whether they're right or wrong that's the thing that they need to do just step down and let somebody take over yeah that'd solve all the problems then you know then we'd be back to normal <laughs> But for now, I'm going to move over to the Vive underscore VR subreddit. <laughs> uh, you, you know, know hey, well, one, last, one last point about this. As soon as we start getting all these other headsets that aren't HTC, this, this subreddit's going to die anyways because this subreddit is Vive. And pretty and and it's Vive because Vive has been the only Steam VR headset. But when we have like when Pimax is officially out there and anybody can just buy a Pimax, and then there's the Valve HMD, and then there's LG, you know, and there then it's then it's why are we going to the Vive subreddit? That's just one little headset. So maybe like Steam VR will start blowing up or something. And I know the Steam VR subreddit is saying, hey, come over to us, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that makes a lot more sense anyway. Like eventually, you know, HTC isn't going to be the the big person anymore, hopefully. Um, all right. I don't really know too much about this next little thing either. Is that, uh, Steve, did you put that down? Do you want to talk about that really quick? Yeah, so um, buried in the news, and I, I didn't see it till this morning, but... Um... Uh, you know, because of the you know, coming off of our previous story, because the Vive subreddit is just buried with 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 uh, calls to for the moderator to step down. You may have missed uh, two two announcements. Uh, I hate to call them announcements; they're not necessarily announcements. But um, we know Subnautica Below Zero, the standalone DLC, is coming soon, and Unknown Worlds um, in the last couple of days uh, confirmed uh, what I was hoping to be not true, and that it will not have VR support initially, um, and. Maybe not at all. Uh, I forget their exact wording, but they said it's not going to have VR support, you know, in early access, and and that they might, you know, look into getting it in there in the future. Um, but then you also, uh, around the same time, uh, Codemasters, developers of Dirt Rally 2, have also announced no VR support in their game. Uh, and and I thought that was it, it was um, it was good to bring this up because you know both of these statements are within a couple days of each other, maybe even the same day. I don't know exactly exactly when they were timed, but you have two games in, in Dirt Rally and in Subnautica that, um, you know, aren't perfect, but were really, really 
well received in general. Like people that like Subnautica, myself included, love it. People that are really into Dirt Rally on PlayStation and on Oculus, and then a lot play it through Revive uh, on their Vive through Steam VR. Um, the people that like those games are really, really into them. And now to see the successors uh, both come out and say, no, you know, VR just isn't enough. That we're we're not dedicating these resources to it. We're not going to make it happen. Um, it is is a very big bummer, and it's a huge bummer, honestly, because um, one. You know, you're looking forward to those games, but two, um, in a way, it kind of it, it 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 pulls out the state of VR discussion of sorts. In that, um, is the state of VR good if if people that have made games with VR support have decided not to keep supporting it. It's, it's different than uh, a game, that, a developer that's never made a VR game. It's different than than um, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 not getting VR support because Rocksteady hasn't, or Rockstar or whatever, haven't put it in um, any of their games yet, so to speak. So um, for a game that has been known to, in, in a way for, for including VR support for the successor to not have VR support, I think um, that's, that's just a bad piece of information and, and it sucks. Yeah, it's, it sucks a lot. Yeah, yeah, one thing I'll say about it is like these developers, so I know what they're doing here. What they're doing is they feel like if they if they officially support VR in some kind of way, then what happens is they they might have all these headaches that come out of it because then now they've got support issues and and they don't really have the time or the resources to spend on the whole VR thing. And so they're worried about that. Now, here's my solution to this. My solution to this is just have it buried in the options experimental VR mode, okay? Just bury it in the options and just be like, Oh, well, we don't officially support VR, but there is, if you go into the options, there's an experimental VR mode. Then that way, the people that are that really want the VR and they'll deal with any jank that comes along with it, they can go into the options and they can activate the experimental VR mode. And then somebody else that's like, well, I can't figure this out. It's not working right. It's not working right. But it's an experimental VR mode, so you can't expect to go to the developer and get support for that. It's a little experimental thing. I think that's the answer to this problem because Subnautica, hey, it's Subnautica Below Zero, I got to imagine, is using the same game engine that regular Subnautica is using. So whatever they're doing for VR support right now, I got to imagine it's a couple lines of code that could work in Subnautica Below Zero. Now, there might be tons of jank with it, and you have Subnautica Below Zero, and then it gets all screwed up, or the there's UI problems, there's all these little things. But if they had it as an experimental VR mode buried in the options, then you solve all the problems, right? Well, I think um, it's probably a little more involved than 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 that. Uh, I, I I agree. I think they're using the same engine because that's in part of of what the Subnautica development was so long is that they create they created their engine. There's a, a quote. Um, I don't know if Carmack said it, but someone said, you know, you can as a developer you can make an engine or you can make a game. You can't make both. 
or you can't make both well or, or something to that effect. And um, so, yeah, I'd have to really, really think that they're uh, using the same engine, maybe with little tweaks and improvements. But um, I think they also said that their VR market for them was was around 1% of, of all the people who bought Subnautica, uh, which is much, much lower than, than um, I think, the 10-ish percent that we saw with Resident Evil 7. Um, but when you think 1%, if, if 1% of your audience, um, it's hard to cater to 1%. It's hard unless your investment to cater to that one percent is one percent or less um it makes business sense to not cater to them and 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 that's the unfortunate realism to 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 this news and this story is that um it's just one percent and one percent is way too small yeah more people gotta get into subnautica vr get that up to ten percent i mean it's free it was where it was free on epic games you'd hope there'd be an influx of people trying it in vr um but yeah back in october uh, the developer said, right now VR is in, but slightly broken due to a number of code changes. And then, like, we're hoping to get it working. But obviously, it looks like th they didn't end up getting it working. But, you know, slightly broken is is good enough, in my opinion. But I, I get that it's it's really hard. You know, trying to make a VR game today, Jesus, it's, this stuff's hard. Or open it up <laughs> to mod support and let the community fix it. There's, there's, there's enough nerds out there that will get the VR working if you just, like, give them the ability. Yeah, I guess you know that's the thing, too. Gonna, you know what's weird though is like the dirt rally thing you would think the hardest of the hardcore dirt rally nuts are playing it in vr but maybe they're not maybe they're playing it like with a triple monitor setup because you know dirt route like uh codemasters like they have a hardcore fan base like the really hardcore right and though maybe those guys aren't using VR, maybe maybe they've tried it in VR, and and there's some nice things about VR, but maybe they ultimately go back to like a triple monitor setup. So one of my good friends, and and this is purely anecdotal, um, but he works for a NASCAR team. He's a mechanical engineer. We've, we've been friends forever, and he's really really into racing, um, actual racing, but he also uh, is is big big into eye racing. And iRacing has VR support, but when I go to his house, he's got uh, a quad monitor set up to to your point, and he's got another monitor on top. And, and this guy goes all out. His his racing wheel alone is over a grand. He's got like a real gear shifter, like real like he's probably got twenty grand into this setup. And I'm like, man, why don't you, why aren't you doing VR? Like it'll cut down on how big your your rig and everything is, and it's it's the field of view. Um, he can't like when he's looking, say he's looking forward, he needs to see that periphery when a car is. is edging up and trying to pass them and I, I don't think it translates the exact same way in, in dirt rally um but but his answer to me as a major major enthusiast down that sim road uh for racing um was that it was the field of view was the problem the, the thing with uh, dirt rally though I, they don't need motion controllers i can understand there being a lot more effort in transferring subnautica over to vr than it is for dirt rally it's literally the hmd uh that you need so i don't i don't see there being as much of an effort maybe i'm wrong i'm not a developer and, and you know i'm i'm prepared to to be wrong about this but I, it just feels like dirt rally would be sort of a no-brainer that they, they could because you, whenever you use unity or anything like that you can export it as, as vr and that's how you can export it if you've got motion controllers and these extra things involved then obviously it takes a lot of effort to get those working in the way that they need to work but with dirt rally it's, it's literally just looking um and you can have the traditional control method so i would think that dirt rally would be a, a simpler thing to, to convert you to need to spend more time in subnautica it doesn't have hand presence and motion controls 
Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're letting me down, no Gary. Things. You're letting me down. <laughs> sorry, Steve. <laughs> I have to spend more time with Subnautica too. Damn, like I haven't. You know, I did way back when it was janky and didn't even work. So like, <laughs> gotta get back into that stuff. Um, Hey, do you guys want to talk a little bit about Elite Dangerous? I'm kind of interested in this because, like, I, you know, I played Elite Dangerous a, a while ago, a long time ago, uh, kind of when I first got my Rift, and I, I loved that game, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I could do, and it's it's a really hard game to get into. So, like, I don't know, uh, Steve or Gary, do you want to talk about Elite Dangerous a little bit? Well, let's send it to Gary first. He, yeah, he's, send it to Gary. He's, he's the more experienced one. Yeah, but I'm not as experienced as Fleet Watch. He's going to be laughing at me here in chat. Uh, so, yeah, Elite Dangerous, because this is a game that, even before I got VR, this is the one game, because I knew it had VR support, and I didn't have a DK1 or a DK2 or anything like that. Um, but this is one of the games that I always wanted to try. This was sort of my ambition. I knew this would be a fantastic game. I played it on, uh, I picked it up probably a couple of months before I picked up VR um, only because I knew I was going to play it. And I, from what I'd read, uh, a lot of people were saying it's good to uh, get to grips with um, the controls and stuff like that on a monitor. So you, you've got a reference. Um, so, so you understand what you're going to be doing because obviously in VR, you can't see a reference guide or anything like that. Um, a printout sheet of the controls in front of you necessarily quite so easily. So it's good to get an idea of the controls before you go into VR. And that's what I did. Um, now, Elite Dangerous for me, uh, we've spoke about this before when uh, Epic's 911 came on the show, um, uh, he and I had a, a little bit of a conversation about Elite Dangerous because it's just such an incredible game to me for VR. It's almost like the perfect game uh, for what it is. It's the best realization of a game in VR for me. Um, I, like I was, uh, when even when I was a little kid playing Elite on my computer or uh, just just using my imagination. Being in a spaceship and just flying around the, the the galaxy is something I always dreamed of. And having the ability to do it now, it, it blows me away. Every time I go into this game, it blows me away. This is an old game, you know. This is nothing new. And I know that, that we, we're a new show and we talk about all the latest games. Part of the reason we're bringing this up, Steve put it down on the list. And I think you want to say a few things about like the, uh, the, the Pimax experience with this as well, which I think... I'm really interested to hear um, how this works because I can almost get away from the fact that I've not got a wide wide field of view in this game because I sort of almost like a, I sort of resign that as the fact that I'm wearing this some kind of helmet or something like that in this ship so it doesn't make a big deal to, to my experience. But while I'm in there, a wider field of view must make this game absolutely incredible. Um, so, Steve, I, I, because you're, you've are you been playing this game for a while, what do you think of, of Elite Dangerous comparing it from the older headsets, but also with the Pimax? So, well, you know, it, just sort of first, like, um, I did put it on the list because, like, I, it, it's such a hard game to give give it justice it's it's a hard game to even really talk about on the show but but i know it's a it's an important game to the community i know that that uh, a lot of people are just really really into this game and 
I haven't been able to cover it. I still can't cover it. You know, I put it on the list to talk about because you know, just want to talk about it at some point. Um, it's sort of been a, uh, a blind spot for, I think, VR Roundtable. Like, we haven't talked about, for the for the magnitude that this game has for the VR uh, community and everything, um, I don't feel like we've covered it enough. But it's not because we don't want to or because I don't want to. I'll speak for myself, not necessarily for you, Gary. Um, but it's because it's hard to talk about without being an expert. And it's hard to be an expert on this game because the learning curve um, would be like trying to run up a ski slope backwards. Like it's just really steep and, and really hard to get over. Um, but there's beauty in that. It's, it's, it's like almost anything rewarding in life that, that has a steep learning curve. Like, you know, I play guitar and I know you do too, Gary. Like initially when you're learning to play guitar, it almost seems impossible, but then it just clicks and it all comes together and, and you're really, um, it, it's just a really good feeling, a good sense of accomplishment. And, and for a game, um, Elite Dangerous has a similar kind of feeling. So um, I played it uh, on the Rift uh, for a few hours, you know, 10 hours, something like that. Um, but since I've got the Pimax, I've probably put another 10 hours in on it. And um, in the Pimax, it's more enjoyable for me. Um, it's it's the type of game that I think that is is perfect for the advantages of the of the Pimax uh, and and less suited for the disadvantages of the Pimax um, with the black levels notwithstanding. I find that the black levels are totally uh, fine. Like you know, if if I was to pull off one headset and, and put the other one on, you know, immediately back and forth, I'm sure the uh, Pimax would the black levels would would be a standout issue. But outside of that, because the sweet spot is so big on the Pimax and because because there's no God rays and because the, the, the SDE and, and the resolution uh, clarity is there, uh, I'm really enjoying this game. Like when you um, hyper jump, I, I don't know what the correct term, but when you use your, your FSD and, and you jump from one solar system to the next and it does that uh, Aurora Borealis type look above you and it's making that sound like um, it is much better in the Pimax. And, um, you know, I... Um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, to really, like, I don't, I don't have any organized thoughts. Like I'm guilty of, of never being organized and just rambling, uh, and, and when I talk about something, but, um, VR Spry Guy brings up a point that I did want to say, and, uh, it's also why we put it down is, uh, I think this week, uh, somewhere around the current time frame is the four year anniversary. I want to say of Elite Dangerous, uh, it being released. So there's a sale now you can buy it on Humble for, I think 15 bucks. You get the game, the Horizons DLC and the commander pack, whatever the hell that includes. I don't even know, uh, which brings me to a point, you know, so I'm not just monologuing, Gary, I want to bounce it off of you. Um, talk about like one of the things like I, I'm assuming some people listening uh, don't play Elite Dangerous and they, they haven't felt the urge to, 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 to jump in and try to get over the, the, the curve, so to speak. So um, you put some list of a few things out. Why don't you kind of talk about the game type like like what is it like to play elite dangerous what does it mean like what what do you spend your time doing obviously flying a spacecraft um but but what like what is the game like can you mm -hmm. talk about that well the, the the point is like elite dangerous it's not really a game that you play through from start to finish you this is just something that it, it's something you go into forever you can just play this game forever it's got no end really it's got no narrative it's got a lot of lore that you can look into and and get glimpses of that kind of stuff um but there's various ways to play this game so you've got mining bounty hunting uh trading 
uh, exploration as well, which you can just go out into the vastness of space and, you know, uh, explore these planets, scan them and then come back and, and get money for that. Um, but you've also got various missions, transportation missions, assassination missions. Um, and also, if you get the right ship, you can do passenger missions, just do uh, sightseeing trips and stuff like this. There's a huge number of ways to play this game. And I've not I've never really got into like mining or bounty hunting or anything like that. But you don't need to necessarily. You can play this game quite happily with focusing on one of those things and just play it that way if you want to do that. Um now, just quickly, I did because on this list we've got down the uh, Horizons DLC. So just quickly on that, I think anybody that picks up this game, I think it's it's important that you just pick up the Horizons DLC. It's really, you know, it's not an expensive uh, DLC to add on or anything like that. Um, but it allows you to land on planets and have planetary vehicles, which is probably one of the main things with this game as well. Um, and it also helps for exploration. There's the the problem is that. Like, I could explain this game to death to many of my friends and they still wouldn't be interested in it. I think you've got to have a certain mindset to really want to get into this game. Now, I will say, I don't, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to dive into this game, um, Elite Dangerous. It's a difficult game to get into initially and it doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't make it easy to get into. And... Honestly, you have to research a lot just by doing internet searches or YouTube video searches for tutorials because it doesn't guide you through. Um, and if you if there's something in there that you want to do, you don't necessarily know how to do it immediately. You need to look for a guide on the internet. It's It pushes you away. It constantly pushes you away. And yet I can't stop playing it. When I go in there, I'm, I'm all the time I'm thinking, why am I not playing this? all the time because uh, like I'll, I'll have a break i'll have a break for two months and then i'll come back to it and i think why am i not in here all the time why i'm not playing this game all the time that's how it hits me um and sounds that's, like an abusive relationship yeah yeah it's a little bit like that but that's where i am at the moment you know <laughs> i'm just telling elite dangerous that i, I love it uh but yeah um really you know so i think Go so ahead. what is the Horizons DLC? So I, I just picked the Horizons DLC up this weekend, um, part of the sale. So if you have Elite Dangerous already, you can get the Horizon DLC for seven-ish dollars uh, on Humble also, and fifteen-ish dollars for for uh, Elite Dangerous with the Horizons DLC and the Commander Pack. So um, I, as a person um, that is somewhat experienced with Elite, I, I would say I've um, I've really just just kind of nipped away at the very beginning stages, even though I put twenty-ish hours into it um as a person who doesn't know what is the horizons dlc because it's hard i don't even know what i've been missing like you've described yeah. it as something that you highly recommend i don't even know what i'm missing like it doesn't make itself obvious it doesn't it doesn't say hey you need horizons dlc to go do this or at least not that i've noticed so so what am i getting with the horizons dlc it's basically planetary landings. So, I mean, that's the main thing. It, it does a number of things, but the main thing is planetary landings. So you can see a planet, and and if you go onto the, the system map, you'll have certain planets highlighted in blue, and these are ones that you can then land on. Uh, so you can just select them as a target and then land on the planet. You need to purchase a planetary landing suite, um, and also you can get these vehicles, these uh, planetary vehicles as well, uh, that you can go out. And these all, it, it's really for exploration and that kind of stuff um so you can land on these planets and find um using the detailed surface scanner you can find certain landmarks on planets 
land land next to them, go out in your vehicle, scan them, and you know get extra money and that kind of stuff. So so the Horizons DLC to sum it up, among other things, is primarily planetary landings. I would say. Uh, Dougie in chat says twenty hours and has not even taken off yet. Um, I, I'm assuming he's referring to just the initial uh, learning how to to launch and, and land uh, your your initial sidewinder. Um, so I will say, like um, one of the things I want to touch on here is I want to describe how I got into Elite Dangerous and how um, I don't know if I'm over the curve, <laughs> but but I feel like I can play the game and and I can hop around solar systems and uh, I can get missions. I can complete some mission so so i guess i know it enough to at least get that far um and i'll say like for me the first thing it is i, I have a hot uh hotas hotas um and i i have a hard time imagining anyone playing this game without a hot ass a hot ass a hotas um <laughs> so like i have a hard time imagining anyone playing the game without a, a hotas so like check one get a hotas um the second thing gary when i got started you recommended to me to um, play it flat, like on your monitor so you can research things and kind of get your bearings. I did that. I went through all the training missions um, and I, I went through you know the training mission. The first one teaches you how to take off. I think the second one teaches you how to land. Uh, and then you get into basic mining training and, and some combat training. I did all of those flat without getting into VR. Um, I also got some bindings for my HOTAS, uh, I think from you, Gary, um, which I think is probably a common community binding, it seems like. Um, it's pretty close. So you want, you want to get all that stuff set up before you really even start thinking about VR. Uh, once you get over that, then and you, um, you're able to, in my mind, pick, you know, go into VR and experience it for the first time. And I'm also find that um, if I've had a big break from it, say two months or so without playing the game, I, uh, I'll go back in and I'll redo the training missions because uh, a lot with what you're doing with your HOTAS and, and with the controls, it needs to become muscle memory to, to put down your landing gear or to uh, go into your hyper jump, I don't know the correct term, but to do those things, you almost need to not over critically think about oh how do i do that like it needs to be a little bit muscle memory with your fingers um i think once you get there though that this game is very very rewarding um and, and i know i've said that earlier um it's it's just a top-notch game and i'll describe it um also like this is just the jump in if i'm wrong gary but like the from what I've seen of the game is you're, you're doing these missions, which is really just has you flying a craft. Like you f fly a craft from point A to point B for the most part. And you do something, you do emissions, you get credit, you become a trader, you, you upgrade your trader ranks and things like that. And then you, with this credits, you buy more ships and it's just kind of, and you buy, you outfit your ships with more gear and, and so forth. So it's sort of a, um, uh, like a grinding game where you yeah. just, your, your whole goal is just to get more crap, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if there's any other bigger goal. And no. then at some point, I guess, battles and, and, and shooting at other ships and stuff can, can become a focus if you want it to become I, that. I think the, the important thing with this is if you play this, if you go into this expecting it to just be a gamer's game and, you know, you want to get the most money and that kind of stuff and you just want to constantly grind and that kind of... You can play it that way. That's not the way most Elite Dangerous players will play this game. They'll, they'll, they'll get to a point where, you know, you want to get as much money to get the better ships and that kind of stuff. But you have to have i think you just have to have some kind of fascination with with this game and just 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 to to explore the galaxy in that sense i think this game it like for me 
as a kid, you'd look up to to the night sky and you see these stars and if you just dismiss them as just stars and that kind of stuff for me i was always fascinated by it i was always thinking you know all of these stars out there and this enables you this game enables you to travel around that galaxy in that capacity it's not if you want to play this game as a game and just be a gamer with this a high score chaser then you can do it you can get the most money you can get the best ships and that kind of stuff for me this game is not about that um but it's it's just got something more which is why i think it just speaks to me personally on that level um and especially the fact that it's in vr i think it's a great flat game anyway but for a vr game as again i think it's one of the best realized vr games yeah it's 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 a sim you feel like you're flying a craft it's complicated enough um to really give you a a feeling of of immersion and and realism you feel like you're legitimately making these maneuvers but it's not so complicated as i'd imagine actually flying a spacecraft would be (laughs) you know as hard as it is it's got to be easier than than really doing it um so yeah i guess we can um just sort of leave it at there is it's again i'll I'll just say it's an impossible game to truly cover and there's most of the people talk talking about it in a chat or you know have 500 hours someone else saying 4,000 hours <laughs> like you know far far more about this game than I probably yeah. ever will um, but I I still love it nevertheless yeah that's awesome I'm really you know if if I ever have time to get back into it I'd want to try out the multi-crew thing with one of you guys that thing sounds so cool you can have two people or three people in the same ship and you're all like flying together I mean that sounds awesome yeah, just just quickly on that point because somebody did uh, mention that as well with the uh, the Horizons DLC, you get the engineers update. I just wanted to, to sort of correct this because it's it's not just planetary landings. The other things that you get are the engineers, so you can travel and visit these engineers, which will upgrade your ship beyond its normal means and. Um, the multi-crew, uh, the multi-crew parts as well. So you can all be in the same ship. It's kind of like Star Trek bridge crew kind of experience, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that's worth mentioning as well. That's so cool. We got, I got to get a hotas now, I guess. Damn it. <laughs> get that hot ass. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, that's, that's super interesting. Cause I remember I played that game for like five-ish hours maybe it like a long time ago that was a game i played on like the dev kit too and i and then i got to my cv1 i'm like oh i missed the black levels of the dev kit too that was like <laughs> i remember that very clearly so it'll be the god cool rays the god rays in. on the cv1 god rays are yeah. just atrocious <laughs> honestly the dev kit 2 is probably better for this game but i'm excited to, i should try it on the i've never tried it on the odyssey plus so i think that would be cool for me to do um that's awesome. Okay. Uh, I guess we can get on to some other games that we played this week. Uh, the first of which being A Fisherman's Tale. And I think we all played this. This one is a really unique, interesting game. It's a puzzle adventure game uh, that kind of plays with physics. And I didn't know any of this jumping into it. I thought this was a story-based game or something. And then I found out it's like it was puzzles. And it's really fun. Uh, you're... You're kind of the the fisherman um, at a lighthouse, and and like the overall mission is to like turn on the the light in the lighthouse, at least at the at the beginning of the game. I don't know if it changes throughout it. I've I've played probably half hour, forty five minutes of it, and I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, thought it's just a really unique, fun fun game to play. Uh, so I don't know, uh, Steve. Do you want to talk a bit more about a fisherman's tale? Sure. The um, I really like this game, y'all. Like, um, 
I, I don't I don't know exactly how to say why I like it. Like at its core, it's really just a, a puzzle, escape the room. Like you're, you're trying to escape a specific scenario. And, and in some cases it's a room in, in, in this, this lighthouse abode. Um, but it's more than a escape the room game in its presentation. Um, the, the big obvious mechanic and, and it's what gives it this creativity is that it's like a Russian nesting doll. Like, um, you are in this room, you start out and you're in this room and on the table is a model of the building that you're in, um, that, that your character, the fisherman has created. And at some point, and it, it, I'm, I'm only showing the trailer cause I don't want to give any spoilers or any clues away. Uh, but sort of the selling point of this game, and this is well known, so it's inherently a spoiler, but it's the only thing I'll say is that at, at some point you're able to, open up the model of, of your house that you've built and you're able to look in and you see you miniaturized. And if you look up, you see you giant dies. I don't know if that's a word. Like, so you, you, you have this, this, um, this triple-ality, I don't know, like you, 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 at, at all times, if you look up, you see exactly what you're doing as a giant. And if you look down, you see exactly what you're doing as a little miniature figure. Um, and that parlays into the puzzles. Like you'll have to pass items from the miniature world to the, what I'll call the neutral world and then up to the giant world and, and, and back and forth in order to solve these puzzles. And I think that gives it a very, uh, clever take like it, it it just it's um it's unique like this is one of the things that vr was meant to do is this would not work at all in any way as a flat game i don't think it wouldn't wouldn't be anywhere near as cool so um this game is 12 bucks and, and it's not very long i haven't completed it because i'm doing the um savor the flavor thing you know I, i'm on the third act i think um there's multiple chapters or acts or whatever they call them so like i'm not trying to just bang it out bang 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 um, so I, I've done about an act a day, give or take. And, um, for 12 bucks, it's currently, I think it's 15 is its normal price. It's currently on sale for 12 bucks, 12 something. Um, this is a no brainer. Like I, I fully recommend this for the price. Like, it's got more content in terms of length, uh, than Ace Combat 7 does, uh, at, at, you know, one fifth of the price. And, um, it, it's good quality content, uh, content as well. So, um, this is probably my favorite escape the room puzzle. If, if we're going to put it in that category, uh, it's my favorite one. And it's also sort of in the experience category, you know, this is a game it's you're solving puzzles, but I almost put it in the experience category. Like there's certain times when, um, you know, certain, it's usually experiences. It's things like, uh, Crow the Legend or Alumet that I'll want to call my wife up and say, try this in VR because I know you'll love it. Um, this is in that it's a game, but it's also in that mode where I, I want my wife to try it just as an experience, not as a game. Um, and, and I hope that makes sense the way I'm saying that, but like, um, it was, it was one of those few moments where I, I want to show this to people. It's almost like a, uh, a demo opportunity to, cause it's a, just a real clever mechanic and it, and it feels real nice and, and graphically. 
Um, I think the game by default is super sampling really heavy. Like when I went into it and, and yes, I'm playing it in the Pimax, um, it, it would like shut down my graphics card. It was like razor sharp and like halfway through, I would just get a black screen. It would shut down my Pimax. I'd look up at my computer my monitors are being wonky. I had to really undersample this on the Pimax, like lower than I've ran any other game. And even at a very undersampled um, resolution, it's still crystal, like like tack sharp. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's just a bug in, in rendering it to the Pimax or something, but like um, it, it it is a good looking game. And um, I, I just, I have nothing but praise for it. This one really pleased me. Yeah, what do you think, Anthony? Yeah, um, well, you know, one of the things like, even if this like, yeah, it's on sale right now for twelve seventy four to to it to it like a certain time. So it's just under thirteen bucks, right? But even if this was like fifteen bucks right now, and that's going to be its normal price, you can't put all fifteen dollar games into the same basket because we've got so many indie games that are out there that. They're bare bones. They don't have the production quality. You know, you, you go into the menu and it's kind of weird. You go over here, something's glitchy. One of your eyes is like, like it, it doesn't have the focus right. And then it comes into focus. And then the sound effects are a little bit off. What I'm trying to say here is that there are quality productions out there. And then there's a lot of indie stuff. There's some indie stuff that is pretty quality. And then there's like indie stuff that is pretty crappy. And the thing about a fisherman's tale, this is high. This is a high quality production. We're talking about music, sound effects, voiceover work, the entire production. So yeah, it's fifteen dollars, and yeah, it's less than two hours in total time if you play it. I'm doing the same thing Steve is doing, by the way. It's like savor, savor it, you know. It's like you get a package of now and later. This is like my, uh, you know, like you get a thing of Starburst, right? Does anybody get Starburst and you just eat it all in five minutes? That's the wrong way to do it, man. You get a Starburst, you get that pineapple Starburst, you want to suck it for a couple of minutes. And then you, you know, you wait about 15 minutes and then you take another piece. But I'll buy it for my son. Five minutes later, he ate the whole thing. I'm like, dude, that's not how you eat Starburst. And so when I have a shorter experience like this, yeah, why not savor it? Don't just run through it. And like so many people get these things and they're like hypersensitive of like, this only took me 58 minutes. It's 58 minutes and it costs $13 and I want a refund. God damn it. <laughs> you know, and it's like, come on, man. You know, it's, it's a shorter experience. Savor it. But in terms of like what Steve was also talking about here is it's kind of experiential. It's a trippy thing because we've seen VR games that play with perspective. We've seen VR games where you're like a really big thing and then everything's small down there. We've also seen VR games where you're like made to be like the size of an ant and you're like in this ant world. For example, Alice VR kind of plays with both of those back and forth a little bit. Not a very good game. There is an example of an indie game that doesn't have everything dialed in, doesn't have all the sound effects and, and production values dialed in. But this game plays with the sense of scale in both directions. And Steve was, you know, there's more than just three levels. Like you look up, you see the ladder, the ladder, the ladder, the ladder, you know, it keeps going up. It fades out after about like five, five realities or whatever. But yeah, you're in this game and you're manipulating things and you're like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, cause 
in the beginning, you don't even realize that there's a big version of you that is doing all this stuff. It isn't until later that you realize that. You see the model and you see that there's a small version of you. At first, you don't know that the small version of you is mimicking every move that you ever make. And it's basically you. That's a reflection of you. There's you. Then there's the big version of you. And they play the puzzles. Like, we're not going to get into spoilers and stuff, but the, the puzzles play with that. They play with all those ideas. And so sometimes you have to take a little thing that is in the little model world and you drop it outside of the model world and then it drops into your reality. And now it's it's the right size for you. And now you can do something with it. Or you got to have the big guy throw something in and then it drops into your world. And now it's huge size, but you need it to be huge size to get the right thing out of there as far as the, as far as the puzzles go. Um, I've been very impressed with this. I'm stuck right now. I'm actually stuck in the third level. Like, um, there's something that you do with a boat and I'm basically stuck at that part, but I'm not like, I'm not going to like jump on the internet and try to find like some guide or something. I'm just going to keep banging my way at it. So I'm going to go back in there again and see if I can try to figure it out. The, the one, if, if there's anything negative, I would say about this game it's a negative with a lot of these kinds of games where I will say that there's an arbitrary thing that maybe that you have to do. There, there's some arbitrary thing that you have to do where until you do that, it doesn't unlock where you need to go. And so an example of this, I'm going to try to do it without doing a spoiler. An example of this is say you're trying to teleport around. And let's say you're trying to teleport out of this little room that you're in. Okay, and you know where you want to go and you want to teleport out of this room. But until you you flick this lever or you open up this other thing, it doesn't unlock you. So you cannot teleport out of that room. So it's basically like you have to do some kind of a little arbitrary thing. And so sometimes you'll be stuck on that for a really long time and you'll be like, wow, that was really arbitrary. And so for 45 minutes, I was stuck. Because you, because I got to flick the little lever, you know, I flick the little lever and then it unlocks that little, I, I can't, it's hard to explain it, but I think just you guys refer to that about. as the Wilson's heart effect. Like that, that, yeah. that issue you're describing is the Wilson, like it, Wilson's heart was the worst at that. I still like that game, but I haven't had the Wilson's heart effect yet in, in Fisherman's Tale. Um, it seems a little more play tested than, than Wilson's heart was. Uh, I'm not saying it's not there. I was just, I personally haven't seen it. And I think we're at the same place. I think based on what you said, but no spoilers. Yeah. I mean, th these it's, this is a problem with these games. Like this is one of the inherent problems of these games, but you, I mean, it's, it doesn't ruin the game. I'm just saying there's a, that's, that is a negative aspect of it, but I still like, I never thought I would be into these escape the room games. And I guess technically this one does qualify and it, it works so well. That's what VR does. Um, yeah, I'm not going to jump on that too long, but like, I'm playing games I never would have played flat. Like I would, I, I would have had no interest in Elite Dangerous uh, without VR. I would have no interest in a game like this without VR. And and that's what VR is doing well. You can tell when something is executed right when you're changing your taste, so to speak, um, because of the medium and the technology delivery. Yeah, I would have never played this game. This I love this game though. Damn. 
Gary, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I can just agree with what everybody yeah. else has said. Um, just a couple of points um, to make. I think because the, the puzzles is based around this one mechanic, um, as we've already mentioned, you know, you've got the 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 large scale and then the smaller scale and the puzzles, um, majority of the puzzles are based around that mechanic. Um, and it works so well. I think every time you solve a puzzle, it seems so simple. <laughs> and yet when you're trying to solve it, sometimes you just think, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? And then you realize, you know, it just suddenly pops into your head. This is, of course, this is what I'm supposed to do. And that's it. It's not a difficult game. It's it's pretty simple, really. Nothing's going to tax you for too long if you just wander around and you'll get to a point where you won't really get stuck, I don't think, for too long as long as you wander around and get it done. The, the other thing that I think was quite clever about this game is I think the narrative is based <laughs> in a weird way. Maybe I'm reading something into the narrative. I'm not going to give any spoilers away about the, the story at the end or anything like that. But it feels a little bit like the the mechanic of the puzzles also has a place in the narrative and where the story ends up. It's It's quite well done. And I hope I'm reading the story in the right way because um i think it's very impressive where they went with the story at the end um um so yeah the the final thing and i i agree with everybody else it's a fantastic game definitely worth picking up with the uh for the price uh no brainer yeah it absolutely you should pick this game up for the price um the only thing is there were some issues with the physics and somebody mentioned this. I think Kev Gret mentioned this in the chat earlier and I did have a few issues with the physics as well. Um, so it uses a teleport locomotion, um, but it also has this, this option where you can sort of extend your hand out to pick up certain things that are out of reach. Um, you press a button, your hand will extend out and then you can press the button again and bring it back to, to reach out for things. The problem with that is if you reach out pick up something and then teleport somewhere else and your hand ends up in the wall, the object that you've picked up can sometimes become stuck in the wall or stuck on some kind of uh, geometry um, and you can't get it out. So I actually had to restart a section uh, a couple of times because I ran into this problem, which it is a problem and it's, it's a flaw of the game. There is no getting around it. I think it simply is a flaw of the game. But other than that, not a lot to criticize about this i think it's so well done the puzzles are really really clever um and they make you i think it's an easy game to appreciate because they are so clever that you think you know oh wow every time you solve a puzzle you think wow that's really good what they've done there you know it's a satisfying little thing yeah and i, I think just a final thought on this game is i like that even when I'm stuck on a puzzle, you know, on most games, if I'm stuck on a puzzle, I'm going to look it up right away. On this one, I just want to stay in the world and take my time. And I think that speaks a lot to, like, the the world that they made and how fun the game is to play. So that's a, they, that's a big recommend from VR Roundtable. Yeah, they have a hint system. I don't know if you guys left that turned on or off. I left it turned on. And the nice thing about the hint system is the hints don't immediately come on. Like, it realizes that you're taking a long time, you're taking a long time, you're not solving it. And then when they give you the hint, you know, it's kind of a little basic hint, and and it'll it'll likely get you back on track. And it's just a, a clever idea. It's like all built in the story. It all works in the story very well. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's a great game. Uh, Next and, and final game we're going to talk about today 
is Spuds on Earth. And I played a little bit of this game. I honestly don't know how to describe it too much. Uh, it's you're you're basically a giant in this game, and uh, you're controlling all these uh, different like military guys, and you're sticking them in like a plane, and then you're shooting them over to the enemy side, and you're basically just trying to defeat the enemy fortress in any way you can. Um, you know, it, it has that brass tactics feel of this, t- you know, tiny world in front of you, and you're kind of controlling it. Um, and it also has a lot of systems to it. I like got just in the limited time I played with it. You know, after a battle, you go back to your your home base, and you have like all these different tokens to make different units and like customize your your loadout in any way you want. And it actually looks kind of uh, it's really confusing to me, but I think this game has a lot of potential. And uh, for an early access game, I was pretty impressed. But I'll pass it off to to someone else. Uh, Anthony, do you want to talk about it first? Yeah, so I wasn't excited about this game. You know, I heard about Spuds Unearth. Uh, they did pretty good job, like, promoting this game and advertising this game. So I heard about it. I knew it was coming out. And in this month of January, we don't exactly have, like, the biggest bangers coming out in this month. We got Ace Combat 7, Fisherman's Tale, Tabletop Gods. I mean, they're, you know, some good games, but not like really huge monster games. And so a game like Spuds Unearthed, that's out there as well. And going into the game, I knew you guys were going to be talking about it, so I wanted to go in on go in and take a look at it. And I was actually mildly impressed with what they got going on here from a standpoint, uh, you know how I talk about these indie games and there's so many of them and some of them just don't have the production value. This one actually has pretty good production value. There, there's stuff going on in here where I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty nice the way they did this. The menus and like the little systems that they got going on. Now, the actual core gameplay, though, uh, what I got into, basically what I was doing is I had these two gun turrets, pretty much. That, you know, you'd, you'd hold it in two hands and you're like... Like this, and it's almost like a beach, a beach battle, beachfront battle with like all these guys are coming and you're shooting them, and then you go over to this other turret and you're shooting them, and then you have these little guys that you can kind of throw out there as grenades and they parachute down in and they're fighting, and it was pretty enjoyable, but it just, I got the feeling it was similar to Marvel Powers United where it's like, ah, it just goes on too long. It's just taking too long, you know? And so I'm like shooting these little guys and I'm like, I'm like, man, it's really hard to aim this and get it where I'm actually shooting these little guys. I'm shooting my own guys as much as I'm shooting them. And then I finally started to realize that if you basically, you see where your shots are going and you want your shots to hit the ground like five feet before the enemies are coming. And then you just kind of stay there and keep and you're like turning this thing to like to like shoot your machine guns. And and then the guys will walk into it and you'll shoot them. And then they have these big guys and you'll shoot them. It's OK. Um, there, But there's a lot going on in this game. I don't know what to say about it. It's it's uh, it's conflicting to me because there's good aspects of it. It's better than I thought it was. I'll say that much. But at the same time, I don't know that the core gameplay loop is ever gonna, ever gonna work for me. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? I think um, 
I think I something is wrong on on when I tried to play this game because, um, you know, I I didn't get a tutorial. I didn't get anything. Like it was just like put me there, and there were these creatures coming at me, and I had no context. I had I didn't have any awareness of what I was supposed to do, and my hands were backwards. So like as I was holding the Vive controllers, um, the hands would be pointing the other way. So I was trying to hold the, can the the controllers the other way to orient them correctly. Um, so I don't know if that was a bug because uh, I guess you guys are all playing it on on the Rift. Uh, I don't know if you use your Odyssey, Chris or not. But the um, so I had that problem. But um, you know I don't know if you know because we have our press account thing that if I was resuming from one of your all's matches or something because Steam will try to uh, cloud save your 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 save file. So I think I might have picked up one of your all's games with no context and and i didn't know how to like start from the beginning like it was just it was just put me in this place um so the only thing i'll say is that it seems to be um from that it, it seems to be a uh a deep game like there's lots of things going on if you want to learn the system um you know it, it, it might be rewarding in, in that way uh production values and 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 everything is, is pretty good uh, i think as anthony mentioned um and then it also has this sort of um you know a comic cartoony like with the little spuds and such so it gives it a little bit of a of a ratchet and clank or, or something type charm to it so uh i think this has potential to be good and it very well may be very good um but i haven't been able to um get uh, get over get into it and, and 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 properly assess it because of of how it started me out um so uh, maybe we'll talk about it in the future and I'll be able to give my a, a better earned perspective. Yeah. What do you think, Gary? You're, You're muted. muted. <laughs> Is this mic <mine> broken? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I think, uh, yeah, I was just ignoring you, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Um, no, I didn't get to uh, try this one, unfortunately. Um, but uh, th there was, uh, Paradise K in chat did say uh, you have to hold a button for the an overview of the basic tutorial in this. So uh, maybe that's something to Yeah, uh, I did that. And um, uh, I forget which button it was. But yeah, you hold a button and then over each item, it, it sort of get, tells you what to do. Um, but I feel like I was still missing something that, that brought it mm -hmm. all together like yeah um. for me that's like i think the number one thing they should focus on is you know making some sort of tutorial because it, it seems like they just didn't have time and like they released it too soon to have a tutorial and i think that's should be like first priority on their list to to get more people to play this game because like you know i too was super confused right away and like, i think i started to get the hang of it a little bit but you know just pressing a button and seeing text everywhere is kind of uh not the best experience but i i think this uh, developer is doing everything right in terms of an early access game that seems like it's good enough, like it's playable enough that some people would want to buy it now. But and also, you know, they laid out like a, a roadmap for you know where they're going with the game. So I think in terms of that, like I'm, I think this is a good early access game to to buy into if you want to, if you like the concept and you, it looks cool to you. Uh, but if not, you know, I, I think it'll get there. It seems like they're going in the right direction. I think a lot of the problems I have are just that it's a little bit too early uh, for me. So um, I guess with that being said, anything else you wanted to mention or is that it? I thought it was a multiplayer game, but I didn't notice anything multiplayer about it when I was in there. 
Yeah, it says it is, which is weird because I didn't I didn't see that either. It must be somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, I guess we'll have to play more of that. I'll try to play more of that, and maybe we can give an update a little bit later on on that game because it, it, there's a lot to unpack in that game. A lot of different systems, which is cool. Some people like that kind of thing. Um, all right, so that was episode 110 of VR Roundtable. Uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, all the super chats today. That was awesome. Leave a like if you enjoyed the episode. That helps us out a lot. And leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast if you enjoyed it. That also helps a lot. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you all next week for the next episode of VR Roundtable. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.